All right, so Ari, I want to talk to you about some crazy things, new stories that are coming out here that, that are fascinating. And I, I want you to understand that these are important stories, okay? So be prepared to, to understand the new world order of what is important. All right? I shall prepare my prepare. outrage. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows what I'm going to say, right? All right, so here it is. It turns out that there's some, uh, some you know, artists in the world and people that get agitated about, about white marble being used to uh, reflect an ideology or whatever. No, no, not ideology. I'm sorry. To, to um, capture the, a, a female bust, for example. Okay, classic sort of modern, um, not modern art, but rather classic-looking uh, female bust, a classic-looking f- male bust, whatever. You whatever mean like you want. Venus de Milo? Yes, think, or think any like that. Or even uh, yeah. um, Michelangelo's uh, David. Okay, so he used. I want you to be prepared for this. He used white marble. Okay, now I want you to understand, Ari, that that's racist. Okay, because it's white marble. Why did you choose to use white marble and not black marble? Okay, Rodin used black marble. He was ahead of his time, I'll tell you. But that's an important issue. All right, so I want you to know that, study it, absorb it into your everyday thinking and discussions. And feel guilty about it and give the appropriate reparations that I owe because some artists used. Guilt is always part of the equation, my friend. (laughs) Right. Here's another story that I want you to feel outraged about. Um, it turns out that there's a, um, there was a gentleman, a photographer, who a couple of years ago took a, um, he was taking some pictures of chimpanzees. And he put his, fo- his camera down, and the chimpanzee that, that he uh, was studying picked up the, the camera and kind of studied it and was intelligent enough to actually see uh, himself, I think it was a him, and took some selfie. He took effectively he took a selfie of himself. Okay, and it was fairly well centered, and also focused. Well, it turns out that this, you know, it went wildfire across the uh, across the United Nations, across the world. Right? Incredible. And so you would think, good for him. He's going to have all sorts of great publicity, and hopefully, he'll make a lot of money because, you know, because of the copyright issue. Right? You mean the, the royalties? The royalties, the yeah. Might he, would get, he would get, yeah. even if he got $1 for each of these uh, photos, well, then he's, you know, a gazillionaire because it was really, it, it, it just mushroomed everywhere throughout the world. Good for him. Not so fast, you say, <laughs> because PETA, our good friends for the people for the ethical treatment of animals, decided to take up the cause and say that he is not entitled to that because, after all, it was the chimpanzee who took the photo, and therefore he doesn't have the copyright. Okay. Why, why PETA cares about this? Not clear, okay? How this helps animal rights? Not clear, <laughs> right? How this, how this chimpanzee even knows what money is? Not clear, <laughs> all right? Do you think PETA is fighting on behalf for the monkey so the monkey's photojournalism career can blossom? I guess so, yes. <laughs> how, how would could this possibly help this chimpanzee? What, I mean, this is not a win-win situation, right? It's not a win-lose situation. It's just... Lose, lose. I mean, the, the monkey doesn't appreciate the money, and you and the photographer who deserves the money doesn't get any of it. And 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 Peta is is doing what exactly? Getting attention for itself? I don't quite understand this whole thing. I think. But anyway, wait, but keep keep uh, yeah. keep that in mind that that is important news. <laughs> okay. All right. I care. Okay. I'm I, outraged. <laughs> okay. Just understand and, and feel guilty. Proceed I feel with guilty. guilty. Good. I Thank feel you very guilty. much. You are beginning and I'm the outrage. You're beginning the re-education process, Ari. I think I need to take to the streets now <laughs> and block some traffic. All right. So here is the. Why are we bringing up? These are two emblematic stories about stories that mean nothing, right? But yet agitate people throughout the world, especially in the United States. They get really, really involved. All right. And, and there are many other stories we'll give you. But the question is, why? There's always a why. why, why do, how is it that people you know, agitate themselves so much that they, are, they would actually take up the legal cause, the legal fight, on behalf of a, a friggin' chimpanzee who doesn't even know what money is? P.S. I don't know if you know this, but they actually got the wrong... They, don't, they actually don't have the right plaintiff. <laughs> they have the wrong monkey? They have the wrong monkey, which is so animalist of them, right? You know, what, we, all us chimpanzees look, look alike to you? 
You know, that's, that's very uh, animalist, <laughs> specious, specious. Anyway, crazy. But th- th- this is the world that's happening right now. That, and, and the question is, why? It's not just one lunatune, right? It's a lot of people doing this. And if a lot of people are doing this, so they're getting so animated by this, you have to ask why. Okay? Now, uh, uh, we're going to come up with an answer. But before we do that, I want to show other things that are going on. Uh, you have, of course, the, the whole transgender movement, right? That, that's something that leaves you and I, and I think any reasonable person, liberal or conservative, uh, was just scratching their heads saying, what the hell is this? I mean, really, are you serious? You're going you're gonna to animate yourself so much to the point you're going to fight for the rights of a, of a man to go into a woman's locker room or bathroom? This, this means something to you? I mean, seriously, five years ago, we would be laughing at this. Like, we would say, that's so absurd, as if, you know, this is, this, it's as if somebody would, would be fighting for the rights of somebody to go into an, the other, opposite sex's bathroom. We'd be laughing about it, and, and, and life would go on, and we would prove our point by using such an extreme example. But here we are. Here we are. This is, this is actually an issue. And to them, the people who are behind this movement, this transgender movement, they think they're following in the, in the footsteps of the next logical progression of the civil rights area of the 50s and the 60s. They actually believe this, right? I mean, that's fascinating to me. And I want to I study these people uh, anthropologically. Like, what the hell motivates these people? What's wrong with these people? And, and, and it's not just the using the bathroom, by the way, or the locker rooms, with no regard, by the way, to the effect of other people, uh, you know, especially the, the ladies or the girls in the girls' room or the, the ladies' locker room. When, when a man comes in, uh, that's of no consequence to them. All that matters is how that particular man feels for the five minutes that he decides to feel like a woman. That's it. Weird. Weird people out there, Ari, i got to tell you. So it's not just that. It's also that you have to trip yourself up about how you say he or she, right? And they're, now they're trying to force you to say some sort of you know, uni, uniform, unoffending pronoun, uh, like she or something. I, I don't know what they, they quite want to say. But that's really, really important. You, you, you know, let's, let's get behind this. And instead of saying you know, his or hers, you, you're supposed to say there. Okay, never mind the grammatically wildly incorrect, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, somebody, like I said the other day, somebody was telling us, uh, excited about their son's um, driving test, right? And they said, look who passed their driving test. Well, who else was in the car with them also taking a test? Because if it's one person, it's his or hers, right? That's what it's supposed to be. But they meant to refer to one person, look who passed their driving test. Why, why are you so afraid to assign a gender to this person? You know, it is normal to do that. It's actually embedded in the language. Just want you to know. <laughs> okay? Uh, so that's very important to, to some people. So we're, again, scratching our heads. And then you have this whole notion of cultural appropriation. I don't know if you know what this is, Ari. But this is the latest trend. Yeah, I know it is. I know I'm not allowed to make a taco. Right. That's, you that's as a white man, <laughs> as a Jewish white man, by the way, you're not allowed to make a taco. I'm required to <clears throat> only purchase tacos right. from the, the race of people that tacos originated from. Right. right. So a Mexican can make me a taco. Right. But if I buy a euro, it better damn well come from a Greek. Right. And if I buy a pita with some falafel in it, it better come from a Middle Easterner. Right. And there's nothing racist about that, my friends. Right. Uh, and but, those are, I want right. to clarify, those are their rules, not mine. Right. Exactly right. And, and, it's, it's, um, and it only cuts one way, by the way, because they, if you're a Mexican and you want to sell matzo balls or gefilte fish, classic Jewish food, that's okay. You understand. It's only if you're a white male... Actually, white, generally speaking, uh, that you're not allowed to, to sell anything that's not traditionally American or otherwise. So wait, wait a minute. I, I, don't, I don't get it. So the hot dog, however, was invented by Germans, as I understand it, and also so was the hamburger, hence the 
you know, Hamburg and Frankfurt, right? That's where they come from. As in hamburger and Frankfurter yeah. from Hamburg and Frankfurt. Right, right. And yeah. French fries, I don't okay. even know where to begin with that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, I mean, are we allowed to sell any kind of food? I mean, it, it, again, it's designed to trip us up. It's, it's really weird. But more importantly, it leaves you scratching your head and saying, why is this important to you? Why can't you think of anything else? Like, for example, improving our schools, right? Like, for example, reducing crime. Like, for example, you know, pursuing science and seeing how we can best you know, maximize uh, resources on the planet so that we can, we can feed everybody, for example. I know that that seems like small potatoes, but, and your issue of making sure that everyone says, uh, it doesn't say he or she, that's really much more important. I get that, but I really want to know why. Okay? And I, I don't think they have an answer. Uh, I, I know why. And we'll get to that in a moment. But first, there's more. <laughs> more crazy stuff. All right? Um, you know, the cultural appropriation, that, that notion really gets me because it really is, that, that will tie us up in all sorts of, uh, what's uh, the magician word for that? You know, you're in a straitjacket. You're, you're totally in a straitjacket. You, you'll end up being a, a totally immobilized and paralyzed from doing just, just about anything because, you know, okay, let's say you sell... <laughs> The, the hot dog, and that's somehow deemed appropriate for you to sell as a white person, right? Well, but wait a minute, there's mustard, <laughs> and that's a rel- you know, and relish may be culturally something else, and, and exactly what kind of hot dog are you selling, and what kind of bread are you using? Uh, are you allowed to uh, wrap up your uh, hot dog, if, for example, in a, in a tortilla? I don't know. You know, that could be a little uh, culturally centric. So uh, th- that's another thing. Okay. Then you've got other things. Um, you've got uh, Cecil the Lion. Okay, this is something that you brought up uh, before. Cecil the Lion. Do you remember this? Where where some doctor, I think it was a dentist, went on safari and he ended up killing a lion that had strayed in from some sort of uh, preservation area. Okay, and he kills this lion because he's he's entitled to do that, and he's very proud of it. He takes a photo, but because they named the lion Cecil. Right? Well, suddenly it has a personality. It must be human. It, it was the equivalent of killing a human. And this poor dentist comes back from Africa, all excited about his safari, only to find out he is persona non grata in America. And could he please leave the country and let's, let's put a fatwa on this guy? <laughs> I mean, it was insane. And the same thing with Harambe the gorilla. This is the gorilla that, uh, you know, sadly a, a boy came, uh, fell into a, um, the gorilla kind of area, and the gorilla was treating it, dragging this, this little boy all around, and they finally shot the gorilla, correctly so, killing the gorilla. And all of a sudden, you know, Harambe got uh, spiritual status. I mean, he became a demigod of some kind among the liberals, and how outrageous it was to kill the, the gorilla. The, w- yeah, you know. Medgar Evers, Emmett Till, Harambe. Yes, you know? oh, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the boy should have died. That's, that's what would have been a worthy sacrifice. Was the, these idiots. I mean, and again, you, you're left scratching your head. Because not only because it's such a bizarre position to take, but that there are so many people taking that position. And, and, and re- the reason why you're scratching your head is, is you're saying, Really? What, why are you talking like this? It's as if, uh, you know, you're, you're just fascinated with thumbtacks. You know, I mean, and all day long you talk about thumbtacks. And eventually you say, John, you know what? Can we talk about something other than thumbtacks? No. Thumbtacks are the, the, the end all and be all of existence. Like, okay, uh, Johnny, <laughs> you don't know what to do with this guy, right? So, but, but that's who he, that, that's that's where we are. Um, and then you have... Uh, this, uh, there's a story that's out recently that breastfeeding is not natural, okay? <laughs> so the notion that, remember before, it was an issue of uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't um, not breastfeed, and, but because some women cannot breastfeed, therefore it's not natural. And so now there should be, no, there should be a push not to have any breastfeeding at all uh, because it's not even natural in the first place. It's it's. Bizarre. And there are people there that go and fight these issues, Ari. I, th- th- there are such people. I, I believe you. I've seen them. I prefer You've the thumbtack them. guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, but these nuts are actually, you know, trying to effectuate change that would actually make everyone's lives topsy-turvy. So what would it mean? You're, 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 you're being forced to, to, uh, to buy 
uh, infant formula. Um, and if you don't do that, well, then you're a bad parent. I mean, what do you do? You go to jail if you, you actually do breastfeed as a woman? Weird stuff. Um, and then there's uh, this whole notion. Um, I mean, the, the, the manifestations of crazy stories, things that kind of take on bizarre proportion. Um, the, uh, the story, for example, of uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, is that how you pronounce his last name? Uh, teasing how bad the Ghostbusters movie, the, the recent one was, where it was all women uh, who were the Ghostbusters, and he didn't think it was a very good movie, and, and uh, Leslie Jones from, from Saturday Night Live, who was in the movie, she took great offense. It took a great, I mean, it, was, it, it just consumed the, the, uh, the Twitter wars and everything else. And it, it, the madness that ensued is it's a little bit bizarre. Same thing with some of what appear to be the bigger issues. Um, like you're seeing now bike lanes and such, which will, which will be the, the feeding ground for another topic in, in a moment. But you're seeing bike lanes and this recycling madness going on. And then there's also gay awareness in the schools, right? That, that you're, you're supposed to be taught about gays in the schools and there's supposed to be pride days and understanding about gays and lesbians. And, uh, and of course, the focus on Islamophobia, even though there is no such thing really going on in America, at least. Uh, I don't think it's going on anywhere. I don't think any, any uh, Muslims are being persecuted for being Muslim. And yet they'll, they'll you know, pretend, uh, pretend that there is such an issue going on. Yeah, I th one that we didn't discuss in our uh, pre-briefing today, um, but you might have seen this in passing, is there's an article out of Boston today. Did you see this one? Yes, yes. Yeah. Go ahead. So anyway, well, there's this massive crime explosion across the country, everywhere, but especially in cities you know, run by our favorite party. And there's massive cover-ups over these crimes. For instance, the BART system, the subway system in San Francisco, has surveillance cameras but the authorities are not revealing or releasing the surveillance cameras when they show a crime because they don't want people, A, to know there's crime on there. Right. Or, B, they don't want to, for racial sensitivity reasons, want to reveal the uh, ethnic background of the perpetrators. Right. Okay? So these, these public transportation systems across the country that liberals love are rife with dangerous criminals. And the city of Boston has responded to this by putting posters that show how you should respond if you see an Islamic person being harassed by someone who might be dangerous. Right, exactly right. And the advice is not call 911 or wait for a cop to show up. Right. You're supposed to sit with the Muslim person who's under physical or verbal assault, engage them in a conversation, and do everything you can to create a safe space and ignore the perpetrator. Right. So people who have been unarmed by gun laws and who are not being protected by adequate police on public transportation systems that are, by necessity, locked in isolated positions where if you are in the presence of a criminal, you're a sitting right, duck, right. are supposed well, to put your own safety in jeopardy to engage with someone no, from but, a but, certain but, ethnic but, but I'll, background. But I'll take it one step further. It's, it's obviously a major distraction. It's designed to make you think that the issue is something else. That, that aside from all the crime that's actually going on, that you're supposed to think that the main thing that's going on in these subways and otherwise is uh, some sort of rash of Islamophobia, that the, the anti-Islam attacks. And it just ain't so. You might as well say, you know, you might as well have posters saying, <clears throat> beware of all these giant lizards that are taking over the subway system, or for that matter, you know, and here's how you respond if you see a giant lizard. Well, there ain't no giant lizards, but that's what they're, they're focusing on. Yeah, essentially, it's almost like, you know, our, our country is having this epidemic of hoax phobia. Here. Oh, it's, it's crazy. You know, one hoax after another. And we're not saying the issue with the monkey isn't true. It actually happened, okay? There is a lawsuit against a photographer for co-opting the monkey's photographic art. There is an outrage over Cecil the Lion being shot. That You know, these things are real. But they're all distractive hoaxes. Yeah. They have no effect on the reality or quality of life for the vast majority of people out there. But, but we're, we're here talking about why it animates those people I mean, you're talking about people who are kind of uh, among the elite crowd that are using this as a, as, as a design to distract. I'm talking about those people who actually are interested in this and actually think it's real, 
who, you know, the, the people who loved uh, Cecil the Lion and, and marched in his defense and, and protested and, and, and held candlelight vigils for crying out loud, they actually believed this crap. They didn't say, hey, let's go create a distraction. They, they, they were part of, they were the fools. No, they decided to do something yeah. about it. Yeah. And they decided to do everything they can. And some of them are still out there, right. provided they haven't been distracted by the next story, trying to ruin a dentist's life. Right. So you you have um, and likewise you know the, the I mean the whole gay awareness issue right You're, we're now all supposed to that we're animated that we're supposed to now of course make sure that everyone has to provide services to gay weddings which is so bizarre to me I thought we got rid of slavery in this country a long time ago but apparently not right so your religious beliefs mean absolutely nothing what does matter is how a gay couple who could easily find another florist, another pizza guy, another uh, photographer uh, who, who has no problem with gay marriages and is very happy to help them. But no, 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 we, you have to, you, because you, you, you have religious problems with it, you have to be forced to do it. Or pay a heavy fund, right? Or maybe even go to jail. Who knows? Yeah, and then and then in the schools, your point is, you now have to discuss in California schools the gay background or potential gay background of historical figures in relationship to the Pride movement. Right. So let's yeah. just take uh, Abraham Lincoln as a as right. a example. You're studying Lincoln. Now you have to discuss his sexual. Proclivities, right. and and it's so weird. isn't this from people who've been telling us for many years to to not worry about it, to leave people's bedrooms alone? Right. Look, there's there are other things going on, of course. This emphasis on recycling in the schools and otherwise. I, I mean, you and I spoke this about this before. There's I, the the notion of recycling. You want to bring it up in school at one point. It's a five minute discussion, really. I, I don't even know that you need five minutes, right? Here's where the plastics go, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and here's some food that's uh, biodegradable, and here's other foods. Uh, you know, here's the papers. Okay, that's it. Thank you. And we've separated out here. When you get a chance, if you can, please just put it in the right, the right part, uh, uh, things, and everything will be great. Thanks, kids. Now, let's go on to math, right? You but no. We don't need to spend a week feeling the pride of recycling. That's right. The that's pride it. of plastics. Right. The pride of aluminum. The pride of glass. Right. So that, that, that is, you know, again, you're scratching your head. Why is that happening? Uh, the ultimate head scratcher, of course, the ultimate one is the global warming thing. I, I just, for the life of me, that all the facts are in, so to speak, and all the lies are in, so to speak. And it's so clear that this global warming uh, thing is, is a pure hoax. It is designed as a pure distraction. It is uh, designed solely for purposes of government control. And, uh, and, and minimizing America's role in society. There is zero evidence that wind power or solar power or any other kind of power can match what fossil fuels do. Um, there is ample evidence that um, fossil fuels are very efficient, very safe. Likewise, with nuclear power that nobody wants to talk about, of course, because that's the ultimate clean energy. Uh, and, and the earth has not been warming. No one has died as a result of global warming. I love it when people tell me, by the way, uh, in my book, Atheism Kills, where they, uh, they say no one has died in the name of atheism. Okay? Never mind that, of course, a lot of millions of people have died because of atheism, but no one has died in the name of atheism, right? So um, that, that's a cute thing. But what about no one, no one has died as a result of uh, global warming? We can't throw that right back at them, right? I mean, it's not obvious. Where is, where is the victim of global warming? Name one. And one, one even a random person. They, they, CN, you would think CNN would cover it. Well, we've got our first victim of global warming, folks. And we're here in such and such place in Africa. And uh, the sea level rose unexpectedly on this person. And we know that it's because of global warming. And he's dead now. Okay? But anyway, so global warming is the ultimate head scratcher. Uh, but, but again, people are animated by this. And it's no different, and I guess that's my point. It's really no different than the notion of this fascination with the chimpanzee who took um, the photo and PETA is now fighting for his rights because the, the photographer supposedly, as you said, co-opted his, his rights to, to the monies associated with that. I, very bizarre, okay? By the way, there's no, there's no standing for an animal. There's never been standing for an animal. Okay, so how this has gotten through the courts this far is beyond me. 
But again, it's, it's global warming and this chimpanzee story, they're the same. I, I know that sounds funny, but it really is true. They are the same story in the sense of people getting wrapped up in a crazy story. Yeah, the head scratching story that yeah, we're talking and, about. And there's there's a disturbing level to it because I expect stupid people to believe stupid things. Right. But what I don't expect, like with your the brilliant thing you just pointed out about standing in the court, why is this court listening to this case? Right. Why is there someone in a in a position of authority who's taking this hoax seriously? Right. Why hasn't it been laughed out? Why isn't just it, it existing in the you know um, you know, a vaporous world of internet chat groups as right. a thing, a meme right. out there. Why is it an actual case? Why are people actually going broke, in the case of the photographer, paying his legal fees to defend himself? Yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, why isn't there someone out there saying stop? Yeah. And, you know, it's like all of these things had a point of origin where years ago there were people in positions of authority who said stop. In fact, when it came to gay marriage, Bill Clinton himself signed the Defense of Marriage Act and said, no, this is ridiculous. No gay marriage. Never. Stop it. Right. In the case of global warming in the early 80s, people said, this is ridiculous. Stop it. But by you know the mid-1990s, the, by the 2000s, it became a thing. Well, because the children took over. That's why. Mm. And, but, but the head-scratching still goes on. And we are head-scratching. We, we just don't understand why this is happening. But here, if I may, I will give you an explanation that so easily explains 100% of what we're seeing. All the, from, the, from the cultural appropriation to the Harambe, to this, uh, this chimpanzee in the, fo- the photograph, to the white marble nonsense, uh, <laughs> right? to, the, to the transgenderism issues, right? the he and the she yeah. nonsense, the there. The shims and the there. The yeah. Oh, it's crazy. And, and how you have to, the bizarre kind of steps you have to take in, in the employment world and, and exactly uh, how you have to dress and, and how you can't dress. And, uh, okay. So it's all head-scratching. Here's why. There is no God anymore for most people out there. Uh, to the extent that they believe in God, it's more very squishy. I mean, it's one of my chapters in the, in the atheist. Yeah, they're, they're spiritual That's right, they're spiritual, yeah. I connect when I'm in yoga right. class because I'm spiritual. That's right, I'm feeling it. I'm really feeling it. Yeah. Um, and the chapter is, is called The Squishy Believer, by the way. It's a good chapter. <laughs> and, but... but I mean, really, there are, you don't even have to be a devoted atheist. You don't have to even be thinking about this. You just have to not care enough about God to actually go to church or to want to study it. You, if you're one of these people that think, well, gosh, you know, I know all that there is to, to know about God just by being in nature. I don't need to be, have some preacher or rabbi or reverend or priest talk to me about how to think about God. That's offensive, right? The, these people... They don't actually think about God at all at the end of the day. They talk about it in, in, in the abstract, not realizing it should be the most important thing that they think about, not just on Sundays and Saturdays, but every friggin' hour of the day. That's, that's where you have some stability, and that's where you have some perspective. Because without God, there is no perspective. And that's what we're seeing. That's, that explains all the head-scratching events we're talking about, Ari. Because... God, God gives you the perspective to understand what's really important. If you, if you really have God in your life, you understand that all that we just talked about is pure nonsense. It's crazy stuff. But, and if you want to matter, the way you matter, at least in God's eyes, is doing great things uh, to, you know, for the benefit of other people. Helping them out in the communities, lending them money when they need some money at a, at a no interest or very low interest rate. Uh, helping the old lady across the street. Right, um, helping kids in the inner cities learn how to read, or acting as a big brother to them. You know, these are wonderful, wonderful things. These, these are things that truly matter, right? We we learn about you know we, we focus on science and how we can best uh, maximize our energy and uh, reduce the issue of hunger in the world and such like that through science, right? And through economics. Uh, but no, these things are, are of no consequence to these people. They they are actually animated by this white marble stuff that we talked about. It really means something to them. And they will write very fervently about these issues. And and hence the the, the head scratching. So why is it happening? Because they don't have God in their lives. You see, 
I believe that we have a God impulse, each one of us. We, we must have God in our lives. And, and we seek to, 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 to matter. We have purpose in our lives. We must have purpose. We must matter. And unless we matter through God, well, we'll find it in some other way to matter. It, it, and if you have nothing else going on in your life, you'll, you'll just jump on anything. Like the white marble stuff. Like the, the gay pronoun issue. Like the transgender issues. It's weird. But that explains everything that we're seeing, Ari. Putting aside the distraction issue, that, which is it's another story, for sure. But I'm talking about the regular Janes and the regular Joes out there uh, who, who simply are, find themselves getting, you know, holding placards and protesting in the street about something that they never even knew existed as an issue only five years ago. That transgenderism is, is the best example. Suddenly getting animated about this. And if you were to ask them, what are you going to be holding a placard in the street about two years from now? They'll say, hell, if I know. I'll find something. I'll find something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The, but if you and I were to, if I, if I told you, Ari, two years from now, here's a picture of you holding a placard. You can't read what the placard says, says but you are there and you are very animated. Okay? I, I, I can guarantee you that you know maybe three or four issues that you would, you would be there for. Yeah, and they'd all be connected to God. Yes, because one way or the other. It, one way or another, it would be related to preserving life, preserving freedom, uh, you know, protecting us from government overreach and tyranny, you know, protecting right. our ideology, way of life, Western civilization. One of those, yeah. the big ones. Because those are the only ones that matter. It's interesting that um, the same way believing in God encourages you to self-regulate your own behavior, conduct, everything else, so that you need less government regulation of your behavior and right. conduct. It puts a similar or analogous regulation upon your philosophical, uh, I guess, range over things you concern about. Right. If you are, care about God, and you and I both do, the majority of our conversations when we're talking about the affirmative issue are always about the biggest stuff. Where do we come from? Where are we going? What matters? What do we defend? What are the universal things that if you protect, all other things that are good happen? And we don't get distracted or worried about the, the crap. Right. But if you remove that regulator, you can't start care. Not only does your behavior go sideways and you suddenly think it's okay to engage in political activism by any means necessary, including horrible violence against people you merely disagree with, but you start caring about crap that doesn't matter at all anyway. Yeah. That's you become so an unregulated philosophical thinker where white marble being used in art becomes an offense against people. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually when, when matters to you, and, 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 and hence the head-scratching, Ari. You know, and, and the only thing that explains it, this is what happens in a world without God. It's, a, it's a, a world where people don't really care about God. It's not even an atheist world. They're, they're bad enough as it is. Uh, but you know, th those who are actually, actually promoting the demise of God in our culture, I mean, they're, they, they should, there's really some, something wrong with these people. But the people who you know, basically see God as, uh, as, as interesting as, I don't know, uh, you know, what, what's happening in, culturally in the Somalian culture. They don't care about that. It's, it doesn't, it's not relevant to them. God is not relevant to most people. Uh, getting, I mean, at least, in, certainly in Europe, and it's getting more and more so in America. And if, if God is not relevant, you're going to get crazy stuff like this. People are going to be focusing on things, and they'll be animated by things that really mean nothing. I mean, it's, it's laughable. I, I hope that one day... 20 years from now, you know, the same way we look back on, I don't know, hula hoops of the 50s um, or crazy other things that were going on. That well, I think a better the best please. example is uh, like behavior of hippies in the 1960s where they say things like, you know what, uh, why should we behave in the traditions of our parents? Let's stop showering. Right, exactly. Okay, good example. And we, of course, look at those idiots today, or at least you and I, as children of the right. 1980s, look back and go, wow, thank God we weren't yeah. <laughs> dating back then. Right. And, and hopefully we'll look back on these, these crazy days today and say, wow, I can't believe people were, 
were animated by this stuff. They, they were really kind of focusing on this, the transgender stuff, generally speaking, of course, is such a good example. But all the other things we've been talking about, that they got really affected by this. And, and the only way to have that conversation, that hopeful conversation, where people can look back and say, whoa, that was embarrassing for whoever got involved in that, um, is if we get a world with God back, back in our lives. I think, by the way, I think it's very possible. Well, it, well but, but, so but, 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 but wait, but wait, it, wait, yeah. wait, it's very possible. It's going to happen. It should happen because it's the only, the only solution at the end of the day. You're going to have this happen more and more. We have more and more crazy stories. At some point, people are going to say, I can't keep up with your latest craze of what I should change, how I should change my life around. And I should go around apologizing to every minority for my white privilege. That's another example. And of my a, male genitalia. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All my biases. Right. What's so interesting, though, is, is your point is so well taken because you and I who look at the arc of history realize humanity has always come back to that. It always does. Of course, in relation to how far the stray is in both biblical times and modern times. When when you look at stories, say, Sodom and Gomorrah or the Golden Calf or um, the stories of the time of Noah where the world gets involved in wickedness, these are, in, in the biblical stories, they're essential literal sexual and other uh, uh, hedonistic or satanic type of orgies right. one way or another. And what you're seeing now with these issues is essentially philosophical orgies. Yeah. Right? Yep. That humanity has to recover from. Yeah. And you and I, of course, see the answer, you know, to quote a, a stupid 60s song, blowing in the wind right in front of you. Right. Yeah, that's right. It, uh, or you don't need the weatherman to tell you which way the wind blows, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, which is a great line from Bob Dylan. But I, I like your analogy, as kind of graphic as it may be, uh, these philosophical orgies. Now, look, I mean, we know that the orgies happened a lot in the past, and, you know, sadly, I'm, I'm sure it happens, you know, the modern day as well. But one thing we can certainly agree about is that orgies are dangerous, right? I mean, not just the emotional kind. Putting that all aside, if you can somehow, you know, put, put aside all the fear of, of orgies and all these men involved with each other and, and climbing over each other and the women, too, it, it, assuming that's the orgy thing going on, just the, the disease factor. Yeah, how da- how, right. How, yes. The disease factor is huge. And, uh, and, and likewise, the more we engage in, in what you call these philosophical orgies, you know, there, there are, there'll be ramifications associated with that. Right? When you have a culture that focuses exclusively on uh, transgenderism or the, the rights of gays and, and to punish people who do not think uh, you know, about global warming the, the correct way uh, and the recycling business and all the other things we talked about, um, then you're going to have a, a, an infected society, a society that, that just goes completely the wrong way. Like, like zombies, you're, you're affected. You know, zombies don't have a, a sense of, of order and structure and hope and elevation, right? I know there's no such thing as zombies, of course. But one thing that's consistent with all zombie movies is this notion is that they're just out there to propagate and, and to terrorize and to kill and to maim and to make other zombies. Yeah, to that, convert. That's, right, yes. to convert. And, and, and that's why, I mean, there's, a, there's an appeal to all these zombie movies precisely, I think, because of that. Uh, there's a sense of there's no elevation going on among the zombies. The only ones who stand a chance of saving civilization are the non-zombies, right? The, the humans. We, they're the last best hope, so to speak. Yeah, the ones willing to do what's necessary. What's necessary, to stop the exactly. And and, 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 and and that's why, you know, the dangers associated with all this is something we need to to think about. Uh, philosophical orgies. I, I I really like your your analogy, Ari. It's it's quite good. It's also it's also perfect because. It's a form of um, self-titillation that, that, you know, it's such a distraction. It's designed solely for the prurient interest, right, for the, the immediacy of the joy of, uh, of an orgasm uh, and the thrill of doing something different. And, and that's what all these little issues, whether it's the white marble or, or Harambe or otherwise, it's just like, here's a little thing that you can get behind. Here's something that can excite you. And you don't even have to think about it. Right. You, well, just, you just get very enamored by the issue. You, get, you throw yourself into it, and you feel good about yourself for the moment. You don't think about whether this is actually an issue. 
And, and what, what is actually an issue is whether God exists and, and how we can be better people. Yeah, that's, and what, that's and the, what the future will be yeah. that you set up with what you do now. In the in the moment of orgy, you don't care about anything but the now. And I don't want you to get overly connected in the analogy to a sexual orgy. Because no, remember, not. in in the in the biblical stories, these are drug fueled, you know, uh, uh, intoxicated mental state orgies. They're orgies of idol worship right. and human sacrifice, along with the sexual. Right. And and. When you look at, say, Nazi Germany, it's a massive philosophical orgy that yeah. that country went on when it, when it descended into madness. When uh, you look at Pol Pot's Cambodia, same thing. When you look at the Cultural Revolution of China or the, the hysteria of, of the communist takeover of Cuba or um, the Soviet Union, those are philosophical orgies. Sexual activity is just a piece of it. The 1960s in America, those idiots in... Um, you know, in the Haight Ashbury, yeah. it's uh, drugs, alternate philosophical uh, realities and ideologies, along with the sexual excesses, were all part of the orgy. Right. Well, look, back in the 60s, it's good that you bring that up. Back in the 60s, there was this notion, you know, coupled with the fact that there was, you know, everyone now had a car, uh, they would just kind of go where the wind took them, right? You know, where the whole easy rider thing. The, yeah, easy rider, right. And I think that's that's what we're seeing, you know, philosophically in the philosophical discourse. I mean, I wouldn't even call it philosophy, but just you know, social issue to social issue. That's what these people are. They're they're vagabonds, right? They they just go anywhere. Right. They just want to let go and let the wind take them yeah. when the leaf drifts. To, to, and they ignore the fact that you are obligated, like you and I, who believe in God, to spread God's word, to take control, to be resolute in the here and now, to assure a better future for all of us. In, right. Yeah. In, in he, some other day. Here, here I go from the Harambe to Cecil the Lion to the white marble issue to the transgender pronouns issues, uh, and of course to the, all the gay issues associated with that. And that's you know that that's all that we're seeing. Yeah, they're and just indulgences. Just it, indulgences. Yeah. Exactly right. And and uh, another one that I want to bring up that will lead us to the next topic is you know one of these head scratchers again is this a notion of wanting to create all these bike lanes right all these subway systems oh all the, the urban planning all that the urban planning there. Yes. yeah and it's it's very strange i mean even some of the laws you know I, I don't know if you know this but in santa monica and i think now in los angeles if you have a bicycle you get to own the lane just as though you were a car oh my right? friend that's statewide yeah okay Whole state. okay so yes. so there's there's the point and you think you're again a head scratcher why did someone push this Right? And you can say, well, the reason why is we want to incentivize people to ride bikes and we want to reduce fossil fuel use and so forth. But it's, it's massively dangerous. I mean, it, it's beyond belief dangerous. And uh, the, all the, the expectations of cars, it's very confusing. You're talking about competing with something that is, what, two tons of steel versus a, a bike that is trying to be as, as weightless as possible. Uh, which is often only 20 pounds. Yeah, isn't it interesting? And I, I think this is just a, an amazing place to make this quick point, which is we talk about this lack of belief in God, right? But what incredible faith the people who are using these bike lines have I that know. God or some other yeah, force yeah, yeah. will protect them. I understand. Because they have so much faith in me as a driver that I'm not going to accidentally run them over. I know. Let's, let's get distracted on that. I, I, I agree with you. I just think it's so stupid in and of itself. There are, of course, going to be many more bike accidents as a result of that. Right. And, and the arrogance of these bikers that, that go, now it's my, my lane. And it's just, again, once you have yeah, that right, the people... The stop sign is just a suggestion right. and you know, everything so, else. So once you give a person a right, of course, they abuse that right. It's, it's just human nature. And that's what's going to happen. But anyway, the, the point is this whole urban planning thing. Uh, and, it's, and you look at it and you say, that, that, again, a head scratcher. Why is this happening? Why are people so fascinated? Why do you have to have this many people per, uh, per, per square foot, for that matter, uh, in Santa Monica or otherwise? It's like they're trying to make the population as dense as possible. They're trying to make it as uncomfortable as possible. They're trying to encourage more homeless as possible. And like, to what end? And, and the end, as it turns out, is to minimize the use of cars, to minimize the use of electricity, and to kind of get people to be controlled. It's, yeah, it's and a simple to minimize that. the amount of actual movement and travel people do. So right. they be basically to give up their right of free movement 
by default. Right. So they yeah. just choose to live, work, and shop in the same building and spend 90% of their time in that one building. Right, it, which is the kind of the way that people lived 150 years ago and before. People just weren't mobile. Uh, you know, the horse was uh, the most effective means of, of uh, transporting your, or, or, you know, projecting your empire. But that, that was about it. But people never moved more than uh, a couple of, uh, maybe 10 miles away from where they originally were born. It's, a, you know, that's the world that, that appears that they would not mind having. So it leads us to the, to the next point. Uh, and Ari, Ari brought this one up, and I like this one a lot, is why is it that it seems that we are racing to create uh, urban planning issues on the ground when it is so clear that technology and other innovations will radically change the way we do everything in the future, maybe even two years in from now, five future. in the very near future. Yes. Uh, and we are doing things now that will permanently affect the way people behave 50 years from now, 60 years from now. And Ari, I'll let you give some examples of that in a moment. Um, so you ask yourself, well, why would you do that when clearly some things are out there that, you know, would, would make that obsolete right now? So why would, why would you do that? And so a good example of that that I can think of just from a technology point of view, you know, um, why would you make a, um, a whole clothing line based upon, you know, ear, ear, earbuds that, you know, have wires when you know that the future is going to be everything's going to be wireless, Right. So why would you do that? You wouldn't invest yourself in such a clothing line. And, uh, but, but we're doing the equivalent of that right now with all the subway systems and so many other things, uh, the bike lanes and so on. Uber alone has changed the landscape just in the past five years. So, whoops, they didn't think about that. I mean, it's like, it's like now demanding to build all sorts of libraries, right? Why would you do that? Libraries are, are more or less obsolete now. Um, you know, obviously we want some libraries, but, but to continue to build libraries makes no sense in the Internet age. Anyway, get, go ahead and give some examples. Yeah, well, uh, the biggest examples you see in Los Angeles are all these new rail systems yeah. being put in. And at the same time, they're reducing the amount of traffic that can go on the, the streets in aggregate. Right. So fewer cars can get by without being stuck in traffic jams. And the way people are, are forced to live and work is in these, as you talked about in Santa Monica a minute ago, these denser packed buildings that are moved out into the urban landscape. An interesting side note for me has always been, as a Los Angeles native, the complaints people always made about how ugly Los Angeles architecture is. And if we're in this moment where we're re-envisioning how people are going to live and how Los Angeles is going to look for the next 50 years, why are we building the ugliest possible buildings that have the design elements of everything wrong with Los Angeles uh, aesthetics over yeah. the last 50 years? Why aren't we at least building neoclassical Italianate, you know, well, yeah. buildings made out of white marble? Well, that, that's but, a different issue. Right, but, different but, issue. But, but it's interesting that that choice is made. And... There was an interesting article a couple of days ago how um, it, it, the Brazilian city of Sao Paulo mm -hmm. has incredible traffic problems, as third world communities do. And now available in Sao Paulo are flying taxis. Well, if they're having flying vehicles in the middle of the third world, how are we not on the edge of having flying vehicles here in the first world? Right. And shouldn't that be the kind of thing we're planning for? Oh, Rather sure. than, as you said, solidifying the facts on the ground to have this two-dimensional transportation grid to lock people into this malaise-filled lifestyle right. that was envisioned during the Obama years of economic stagnation and taking a haircut for the team and, you know, uh, making decisions for everyone and being used to the new normal. Right. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, trying to... Install all these payphones all over the place, right? I mean, what a silly idea because everyone does have a cell phone now. And that, that's the way it's going to be. And it has been uh, for, for quite a long time now and it can, will continue to be. I, I, look, I think that the answer to this that we're talking about is that they want to create these facts on the ground. They, the last thing a liberal wants is the notion of innovation, of not knowing what the future is. That is terrifying to them. Why do I say that's terrifying? Because when you open the doors to innovation and who knows what's going to be, what it's going to be like five years, 10 years, 20 years from now in terms of innovation, oh, 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 that is scary because 
control means these are certain things that you must do, and these uh, socialism demands all sorts of social structure, and that involves infrastructure, including the kind of transportation you can take and how much gasoline you can consume. If if innovation is constantly changing, well, then you have to then you have to kind of reinvent all the laws associated with the new inventions, right? That that sometimes make the previous status quo obsolete. Right? I mean, and maybe you just maybe have to use the uh, levers of government to back off and not do anything to control people and let them be, uh, this is the F word, free. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, that's a, but, but freedom is so, it's such an interesting word. It's, it's the ultimate difference between, in, in today's world, between liberals and conservatives. Liberals, and I, I should say lefties, the leftists will, uh, they, they will issue freedom. Freedom is, almost as irrelevant to them as God is. Uh, it, it's like freedom. I, yeah, I get the concept. I mean, I want to be free to, to walk around and get my ice, ice latte, sure. Uh, but the notion of them fighting for your right to say something that's contrary to what they believe, I'm not so interested, thank you. The, the notion that you're free to express your religious beliefs and to go to church uh, when you want to, not so interested. Thank you very much. Yeah, your freedom to drive your car when you want, where you want, how you want. Oh, yeah. No. no. Your freedom to use a bathroom exclusive to your gender. No. Yeah, of course. No. And your freedom for fear, for that matter. Your, your freedom for, from danger. They're not so interested in that. But that's a different kind of freedom, and I acknowledge that. Freedom means everything to us. Just like God means everything to us, and I'm not, I'm not speaking for all conservatives, but I, I can dare say that uh, if you take a Venn diagram and you say here are all the people that believe in uh, God, that the vast majority of that uh, that circle will be conservatives, and ver- there will be very little intersection with the liberals, and and likewise with uh, the, the the notion of freedom. Freedom is just not relevant to a lot of these people. And so they don't mind setting, you know, setting all these facts on the ground, even though you could tell them, look, that the rate of innovation is such that you know, all this stuff will be obsolete within five years, not, not 50 years, five years. If you're lucky, yeah. it'll, be, it'll last five years. That's right. And, uh, and, and we all know that. It's, we're all catching our breath. I mean, we, we just got the iPhone, and now we can't live without it, but... Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, 10 years from now, it'll be something else that we can't live with. Yeah, and also look at how they without. stifle freedom. Ride-sharing disruption of the taxi industry. They hate it. Yeah. Uh, Airbnb. Airbnb. Look how they're trying to stifle it. Uh, these are the liberals who constantly tell us, don't build more than you need. So now someone came up with a brilliant idea that you don't need redundant space, you know, living quarters for people. Right. People can share living quarters more efficiently, more cheaply, enjoy higher quality for a lower price, yeah. and they have to squash it. That's right. But they, they want to decide what is efficient. That's the, that's the beauty. The irony, and again, we're dealing with the party of irony, is that we, it's we conservatives who are constantly finding more efficient ways uh, to do just about everything. And the ride-sharing is a great example. In fact, the ride-sharing that you just mentioned is a perfect point in a sense about how it, it challenges the infrastructure of the day. In the old days, um, there were taxis. New York City is a, is a good example. They would sell medallions. And these are artificial constructs whereby you had the right to have so many taxes in Manhattan, for example, to deliver people here and there. And it was very, very expensive. And then you, but you, you know, you own the medallion. Medallion, you may have paid eight hundred thousand for it. I think for some reason that number it was, sticks. It was around a million dollars. Okay, recently. there you go. The nineteen nineties. Yeah. One of these so things. you would pay for it. That was quite an investment. And, and uh, to be clear, if you didn't have a medallion, no taxi for you. You can't drive a cab. Right. Exactly. So, um, and you would you would do this, uh, and you, you invest this, and and hopefully one day you'll make your money back. And you know, it took a long time to get that money back, and then. Uber comes along and Lyft and otherwise, and they suddenly kind of shake up that system. It's exactly what we're talking about. It is a true threat to the system. They want to establish these facts on the ground. Medallions were facts on the ground that we have to deal with, that Uber had to deal with, and said, "Listen, you know, I understand that you made all these medallions, but that doesn't make any economic sense. I'm sorry that you created this artificial uh, economy." based upon this, this fake medallion system. But you might as well say that, you know, the whole um, a tulip um, frenzy that there was in Holland back in the day, where the tulips cost some obscene amount of money, and it was just a tulip. 
You know, tulips don't cost that much, right? It's, it's an artificial um, uh, supply. Same thing with the diamond business, right? We know that diamonds are actually, from a, from a resources point of view, they're actually in, in plentiful supply. It's, it's not a rare thing. Uh, there are some diamonds that exist more in nature than others, of course, but generally speaking, diamonds are nowhere close to the value that, that you pay for it when you buy your engagement ring, yeah, for example. Yeah, it's a rock. It's, it's a, a rock. shiny rock. Yeah. But some, it's, it's cartel, not but some cartel limits the number of these shiny rocks that are allowed on the marketplace. Right. And, and it will collapse. Ultimately, it has to collapse because there, there, there's too much incentive to, to bust open that cartel. Right? It's not like gold. Gold is truly a limited supply, and there's, you can't make more of gold, but there's just way too much, uh, too much diamonds out there. Anyway, again, infrastructure is what we're talking about, and changing and keeping these facts on the ground is what they want to do. But, but innovation challenges that to them. They will resist that day in and day out, and they will race to create as much fact on the ground as they can. Um, you know, Ari's point is that this will stay this way for 50 years. They're, they're hoping to stay this way, creating the facts on the ground, like you said, the subways and the, the densely po- populated buildings and laws that go along with it. But I, I, I think I have more faith in human nature and the power of innovation so long as we, we fight for it. Yeah, well, I have... It, it will be, it'll yeah. be easy to, to destroy those things. Yeah. In the same way, um, and I'm not saying it's a good thing necessarily, but there was a tramway system here in Los Angeles uh, many years ago, that I think that lasted through the 40s, and it basically just kind of went bye-bye because nobody was using it anymore. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. It was, a, it was no longer relevant. The, yeah, that's the amazing thing about the red car is people will wax eloquent about how wonderful it was, but they don't ask the question, well, why did it go away? Yeah. It, if, it, if it worked, it would be here. Right. Um, and I, I, to piggyback on the point you made and to clarify it a little bit, which I think is a, a great, amazing, hopeful point, the same way after these orgiistic eras of philosophical, sexual, subaritic indulgence, people always come back to God, whether biblical times or modern times. The same is true for any system in society that's built on critical theory, it almost has a built-in self-destructive vice. Yeah. So when you build these infrastructure systems, you make these changes to the urban landscape, and they're built on the uh, Obamacare, perfect example, and they're built on critical theory to become unworkable and bring about some greater future that is even less workable right. in the great socialist schemes that man has had you know, for now you know, uh, several hundred years. They always collapse. Yeah, and they always destroy themselves first. Yeah. So when it comes to like the BART trains in San Francisco, and they're crime riddled and and filled with all sorts of human waste and vagrancy, it's very simple. Normal people stop taking it. Right. Yeah. They, they, and eventually, they, they will trains do, are running do, around empty. That's right. They'll do whatever they can to not take the, those trains. Uh, and and the simple solutions to those are simply providing more security, maybe having a cop. You know, in, in every three cars so that there's an issue. People know that there's going to be enforcement of laws there. Yeah, and unlike Los Angeles, in San Francisco, which is small and loaded with water and bridge crossings, the, the public transportation system underground actually works and is needed. Right. You know, yeah. this stuff is typographically uh, flexible, if you will. New York, this stuff works. L.A., no. Right. It's in, it is interesting. The, the facts on the ground, I, I always like that uh, way of, of establishing. They, are, they try to create facts on the ground. And it's not just, by the way, the infrastructure. It's also political, like uh, what, um, what Obama did with Obamacare. They, they created a fact on the ground called Obamacare that makes it very difficult to diffuse this, this massive bomb. It is, and it is a bomb. Likewise with the Iranian deal. Right. I mean, that was they, they created a fact on the ground that will now we have to untangle. It's very hard to do. Yeah. Or any of FDR's welfare state. Right. I mean, Linda Johnson's welfare state. Good example. Linda, um, FDR's uh, social security state. I mean, these are bombs that are going to collapse sooner right. or later. And when we talk diffuse, the difficulty of diffusing is to diffuse it before it collapses. Right. So it doesn't hurt. Everyone Everybody. involved in it. Yeah, well, that's that's what they want to do. They, they want to create the, the equivalent of Social Security, the equivalent of Obamacare, the equivalent of the Iranian deal uh, in, in the infrastructure, and hopefully force that to stick for the next 50 years, because they are terrified of the future. They, they love control, and whatever, that's their entire theme. It always has been. 
We conservatives are the ones that want to get out of the control business. We love freedom. Freedom versus control. It's as simple as that. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.